Today's 40th episode of El Fanboy is brought to you by you. Yes, you. El Fanboy is made possible by the generous donations of my listeners via Patreon. You guys are why I do this, and I can't believe we've already made it to episode 40. Today, I'll discuss Justice League, the box office, the latest news on all things movie geek, and I'll be wrapping it up with a very special spoiler-filled conversation with Bill Jet Ramey of Batman on Film. If you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash lfanboy. Now, let's start the show. Lfanboy, episode 40. Hi everybody, Mario Francisco Robles MFR here with you, and this is the 40th edition of the El Fanboy Podcast. You know, I always knew it. I always knew that Zack Snyder was going to be the wrong person to start us off here. The wrong person to choose as the architect for the DC Extended Universe. I just knew it. You know, I remember way back when, when Watchmen was coming out, I read an interview with Mr. Snyder where he was asked if he would consider doing a Superman movie. You know, at the time, Warner Brothers was still trying to figure out what they were going to do with Superman. You know, Superman Returns had come out three years prior, and they kept on kind of going back and forth on whether or not to make Brian Singer's sequel, which was going to be called Man of Steel, or if they were going to reboot it, you know, what exactly was the plan? You know, there was some confusion there, and they knew that Snyder had made some films about sort of underground comic books, you know, like Watchmen at the time, and before that, 300. So they asked, like, you know, would you want to do something more mainstream? Would you want to direct a Superman movie? And he said no. He said no. And I remember that pissed me off because <laughs> I'm like, you know, Superman's my guy. And who are you to say that you wouldn't want to direct the king of superheroes? And the arrogance of that pissed me off. And also his explanation, though, kind of made me realize like, well, you know what? Good. It's probably for the better. You know, I had to paraphrase because it has been so long, but um, he said something along the lines of that Superman is just too good, too goody two-shoes, that he can't relate to Superman, and that's why he's much happier making these kinds of comic book adaptations based on darker sort of subject matter where the characters are a little more morally complex and muddled, and he has said in other interviews you know, where he sort of shed some light on the types of books and the types of character tropes that have spoken to him. So, you know, I remember reading that and going, all right, well, good. We'll keep this guy away from Superman. Keep him away from my beloved characters then because it doesn't sound like he would do them justice. And imagine my horror when three years later, in 2012, they announced that Man, you know, that he's directing Man of Steel to come out in 2013. I said, whoa, 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 this this doesn't seem right. 
And while I somewhat enjoyed that movie in the end, you know, there were there were clear indications that this was made by a person who doesn't understand Superman's appeal, who doesn't really get why Superman has been such a huge force in pop culture for the last 80 years or so. You know, he 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 took him he took him a different way. And it's a way that that divided people, regardless of my own personal opinions on it, regardless what you thought of it out there. You know, you can't deny that he started us off on on very sort of divisive ground. You know, that film almost evenly split the critics. Amongst fans, you could see it all over the place. Everyone was bickering. To this day, people are bickering about the depiction of Superman in that movie. And then Batman v Superman comes out, and we go from divisive territory to downright hated territory. Now, granted, there there is a there is a small, very vocal group of people who adored that, and I respect them. I if you're if you're one of them, if you are someone who loved Batman v Superman, this is not an attack on you. If you loved it, that's magnificent. I wish I loved it, but the point is. That film did the franchise no favors. It did those characters no favors. All right? It was roundly rejected by critics. Fans gave it a very ho-hum cinema score of B, which is saying a lot because usually audience scores are far, far higher than critical scores. But even they were like, yeah, this was not, yeah, this was okay. And you don't want the first ever appearance of the DC Trinity to be considered it was okay. You don't want that. You don't want the first ever appearance of the Trinity to get the same cinema score as the Green Lantern movie. So by and large, oh, and on top of that, box office wise, it only made like $105 million in, in profit. It was not a box office champion like it had every reason to be. So we went from divisive to disliked and then finally, that brought us this weekend to Justice League. And listen, you can argue about whether or not you know Snyder should take the blame for this or take the fall for this. That's kind of not the point here, all right? Because while at the end of the day, he can't take the full blame for what happened with Justice League because for better or worse, the film was taken away from him, but he can take all of the blame for building this franchise. He built this kingdom on sand. He built this kingdom on very, very unsteady ground. And that's why I will not miss him. All right? He's gone. He will not be making any more DC movies. Justice League or whatever percentage of Justice League was his was his that's his swan song from the DC extended universe and in the immortal words of Korg a character in a movie that I would never think in a million years would be a bigger deal than Justice League Zack Snyder piss off ghost now let's get to the week's news This weekend at the box office was quite a roller coaster ride for anyone who was tracking Justice League. 
I mean, it, it almost defies all logic, all right? Because on Friday morning, when I recorded my Justice League episode, we had just gotten the Thursday preview numbers, and based on those numbers, it looked like the film was going to open somewhere around $110 to $115 million. This is after the initial projections were a little more vague. They were saying between $100 and $120, so then we went to $110, $115. Then, later on on Friday, mere hours after I uploaded the Justice League episode of the show, those projections were updated in a way that I can't believe. I could not believe it at the time. They said, well, you know, we thought it was going to do 110 or 115, but actually, based on what's going on today, on Friday, it might actually be under $100 million dollars. It might be 95 to 98 million. And I was like, no way. Somebody screwed up. There's not a chance in hell. Someone's getting fired over that. There's no way. So, something went wrong here. It definitely is not going to open that low. And then as the weekend wore on, it started becoming clearer and clearer that we were dealing with a film that was south of $100 million. And then on Sunday... They said 96 million. Now it's Tuesday. We've got the actual figures in. And the final tally is $93.8 million. Let's go ahead and round up, okay? Justice League made $94 million at the box office. Now listen to me. It doesn't matter to me how much money it made because I don't work for Warner Brothers, and whether it made $500 million this past weekend or 5 bucks this past weekend, I ain't seeing one red cent of that. So I don't care about it in those terms, but I care about it in terms of look at how disinterested the public is in a Justice League movie. And that is why my opening words were aimed at Zack Snyder. That disinterest comes from the fact that people didn't like the first two chapters in his saga. All right, if we want to look at it in trilogy terms, all right? Yes, there have been five DC movies, but Snyder's trilogy has done some irreparable damage to these characters, and that cannot be denied any longer ever again. All right? We can't put our heads in the sand and act like Snyder didn't tarnish the reputations of these characters. There's no way that a Justice League movie should open to less than half what Avengers made. All right? This was supposed to be DC's Avengers. Avengers opened to $207 million. How did we end up with a Justice League that's only 93.8? You know how you do that? By breaking people's trust multiple times by actually getting them to go, you know what? This may be the golden era of the superhero movie. This may be the greatest time to be alive if you're a comic book movie fan, but this movie doesn't interest me. Even if I love these characters, I'm not going to go see this movie. That's what a lot of people did this past weekend. Because usually, even if a movie has terrible reviews, it'll still make a ton of money if its fan base has bought into it. 
Just look at like the Transformers movies. Look at any number of movies that had terrible reviews but still open huge. Like the Fast and Furious series. Those movies are never considered all-time classics. They open strong because people have bought in. They love the characters. They love the thrills that the film provides. And they are in. It doesn't matter what the critics say. Well, in this particular instance, their faith in this franchise has been so permanently wrecked that they stayed home instead of seeing the first ever Justice League. It's in fucking infuriating. And it all goes back to executives saying, you know what? Let's give the keys to the kingdom over to a guy whose last few movies were Watchmen and Sucker Punch. Someone looked at this man's resume and said, yes, this is the guy who's going to lead us to the promised land. This is a great idea. And that's actually why I let Snyder off the hook to a certain degree. Because it's not his fault he got chosen to do this. What was he supposed to do? Turn it down? Turn down the opportunity of a lifetime? Absolutely not. So he did everything right as far as he's concerned. He took the job and to the best of his ability, using his vision and his sensibilities, he made these movies. So to that extent, it's not his fault. But it's the fault of anyone who thought this was the right guy to bring us into the next phase of things. This was the right guy to kick off our shared universe. Whoever looked at Man of Steel, the way, you know, the, the money it made, the reviews it made, the way it had audiences speaking about Superman, whoever looked at that and said, hey, yep, this is, this, you know what, this went so well that we're going to allow Snyder to not only make another Superman movie, but to make all the creative decisions that are going to be the launch pad for the DC film shared universe. Yes, that this is the way to whoever looked at Man of Steel and that's the conclusion they arrived at, that person has got to go. So, Jesus, I got <laughs> All right, calm down. Calm down, Mario. It's going to be okay. We were doing the box office. Let's let's continue the box office chatter. Sorry, I'm just mad. So, Justice League opens at 93.8 million. That's your number one. In number two, you had a brilliant piece of counter-programming that really, really worked out. The, jo the Julia Roberts indie film Wonder opened to 27.5 million. In third place, we had Thor Ragnarok. In its third week in release, it made $21.6 easing only 62% in its third frame. Up against Justice League, uh, it, you know, it eased 62%. Daddy's Home 2 eased 51%, making $14.4 bucks. Right now, it's not looking so hot. Its worldwide cum is around 50 and the budget was 69, so it's looking like Daddy's Home 2 is not going to really be a success for Paramount. Rounding out your top five is Murder on the Orient Express from Fox. Uh, that one now has been out for two weeks. It made $13.8 million. It eased 51.9% since its uh, first weekend there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's... It's, it's doing just well enough to warrant a sequel. Fox announced earlier today 
that there's going to be a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express called Death on the Nile. It's going to bring back Kenneth Branagh as, as uh, you know, Detective Poirot. So, you know, hey, good for them. Murder on the Orient Express is a $55 million movie. It's currently at 148.2 worldwide. So Fox considers that a soft win and enough of a win to continue pushing on. So what does this mean? What does Justice League's box office mean for Warner Brothers and for DC? Well, for starters, Forbes has published a report where it looks like on its current trajectory, Warner Brothers will actually have lost money. They might lose anywhere from, I think, 50 to $100 million on Justice League. Okay, it's officially that bad. It's that kind of a scenario for Warner Brothers right now. And I reached out to my source over there. I asked, you know, what is, what's the mood like over there on, on, on that studio lot? And their answer was somewhat revealing. The answer was, things are surprisingly calm. Now, how do I interpret that? Well, it tells me they knew that this thing was going to be a problem for them. In other words, they were not surprised that the movie didn't perform so hot. They're probably surprised how low it opened, but on some level, the studio has known that this film was going to be a problem, which is why they dumped it into theaters looking the way it did. They knew, listen, there's no saving this at any point. We did the best we could. Let's just get it out there and get this thing over with. So according to my source, things there are very, very quiet. They are assessing the future. They're trying to figure out what's going to get retconned, what's going to get rebooted, what's going to get scrapped entirely. And there's a very interesting sort of subplot here, too, in that the very, very stacked, very, very sort of rushed production timeline that they put themselves, they backed themselves into a corner with a couple of years ago, in a way might save some of the elements we liked from the movie. So why do I say that? Because Aquaman's already been completed. Had that not been the case, there wouldn't be an Aquaman movie based on Justice League's performance. Take, that, take a moment to think about that for a second. Had Aquaman not already been completed and they kind of went film by film and they saw that Justice League opened to this... There wouldn't be an Aquaman. There would still be a Wonder Woman 2, and they would still probably try to figure out how do we get Batman and Superman rehabilitated, but they wouldn't make Aquaman based on a $93.8 million opening for Justice League. They would only be looking at the top three characters and figuring out how do we make those bankable again, and then from there we get back to the other people. So in some sort of odd roundabout way, the fact that they wrote themselves into a corner means that we still get to have Aquaman and that still leaves the door open for other members of the Justice League to get proper follow-ups. And speaking of Aquaman, uh, Mr. Jason Momoa, the actor who you know portrays him, was you know it was brought to his attention some of what's going on with this movie, some of the fact that people aren't happy with it and yada, yada, yada. And he responded to the negativity. And he said, I try to stay the fuck away from what people say. Some of my friends said, Justice League isn't doing well, and it kind of bummed me out. But I didn't want to look it up. 
I don't want to look up the bad and the negativity. I don't think that's useful. It doesn't help. I've seen Justice League twice. I loved it the second time even more. I'm actually going to watch it again with my kids and my godchild. This is all still Momoa speaking, by the way. I'm going to see it with the perfect crowd of people, a regular crowd instead of at a premiere. So I'm excited. You can't get into the whole why this, why that. I went to Wizard World Austin this weekend and got great praise. Now, obviously, that's a positive place, and I'm not only interested in the positive, but if people love what we did with Aquaman... It's all Zack Snyder. It's his brainchild. He came in with, I'm going to make Aquaman a badass, and I'm going to change stuff and change the myths about this guy. And I busted my ass. Now, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Because Momoa, he sounds somewhat defensive. I kind of wish he did look up what people were saying, because he would see he's not the problem. No one is complaining about Momoa. So, you know, it's kind of a shame that he's responding, thinking that people are rejecting his take. And it's like, no, no, people are happy with what Snyder came up with for you, and they're happy with your portrayal. But, you know, it's, he, you know, it's getting back to him, and as he put it, it's kind of bumming him out. He also had some comments regarding what was cut because, you know, there was a, and first of all, there was a ton cut from this movie. There, certain websites have already put up like shot comparisons of, you know, what was in the theatrical cut and what we saw in early trailers. And you could tell there's a lot missing from this movie. But one of the things that, you know, th- there were certain Aquaman elements that clearly didn't make it. And he commented on that. Momoa says, the challenging part is. The Justice League story is only about a weekend in Arthur Curry's life. Fans might be like, why is, why is he that grumpy? Why is he hiding up there? We had it all planned out. A lot of things got cut. But it's not my movie. It's a huge movie introducing three new characters. And for myself and The Flash and Cyborg, there was a lot that was there we couldn't get to. It could have been two movies. We had some stuff with Willem Dafoe, the whole Atlantean part about me being this reluctant king. There was no need for it because you're going to see it in Aquaman. It's not an Aquaman movie. It's a Justice League movie. So similar to what I've been saying here for weeks, you know, all the sort of world building stuff, all the stuff that was meant to get you hyped for solo movies was cut from this because they wanted to just make it its own sort of streamlined in and out two hour tale. And Aquaman stuff is really just, you know, just one of many casualties, really. Although, you know, like I said, it looks like, you know, we're, we're going to get that next year. So for those of you who did want to see more about of his backstory and more of his subplot, you're going to get a whole freaking movie about it. Uh, a DC movie you're probably not going to get anytime soon, uh, along with anything else that's not related to the core Justice League characters, is Deathstroke. You know, early this morning, Deadline reported that director Gareth Evans is now developing a series for Cinemax. It's called Gangs of London. It's like a crime drama. And, you know, that conveys to me that his Deathstroke movie is nowhere near a priority. You know, yes, it was announced to a lot of fanfare three weeks ago, and then they snuck in that little post-credit sequence here on Justice League. But that movie's not getting made anytime soon because he's working on gangs of london it's going to be his first tv series and uh, it's going to be for cinemax so that's going to keep him busy for a bit folks 
And there's some quotes from Jeff Johns making the rounds right now, which are, are actually from before the opening weekend for Justice League. They're from several days ago. So he even who even knows if they're still relevant? But now is when, for whatever reason, now is when they're getting some play. He was asked about Flashpoint, and he mentions that Batman will be in it which I guess should be a no-brainer to anyone who read the books. But, you know, it's confirmation that even the cinematic adaptation of it will contain him. You know, he, in talking about it, he said to Entertainment Weekly, there's elements in it that we're going to be playing into that we couldn't do anywhere else. The scale of it, the Batman story of it all. So, you know, it looks like up until this past weekend, Batman was going to definitely be part of Flashpoint. Who knows what's going to happen anymore, but it's worth noting that these quotes are going around and it looks like, you know, for folks who are excited about Flashpoint, they were going to tackle Batman in a somewhat significant way. And listen, I'm sorry if I'm a little sort of extra salty today. Uh, I know I've got some new listeners. If, you know, if you're hearing this and you're wondering, Jesus, is this how he usually is? I'm really not. I'm really not. It's just, uh, it's actually been a bit of a tough week and a half over here, you know, after a week of a lot of hard work, um, my dog on Sunday night ran out of the house. She got hit by a car. Uh, she's okay. You know, she seemingly got away with it with minimal injuries, uh, a cracked rib. And in general, she's, you know, she's kind of banged up, but all things considered, you know, she survived and, and it's all good. But, um, you know, it's taken its toll on what's you know on on the uh, Robles household, and on top of that, my six-year-old daughter got sick at the same time, and that's kind of how I capped off a week of uh, where I put a ton of pressure on myself to give you guys content every day, and then of course the uh, the bills to help pay for the dog's injuries have been astronomical because vet care is very costly, and it's just I'm just shot. I'm just shot, and honestly, this Justice League stuff didn't make it any easier. You know, I, I really am so invested in these characters and in this franchise, and, and there's been some part of me that for years upon years upon years, I've been waiting to see a Justice League movie get made, and to see it, you know, on top of everything else going on in my life, to see it fall on its face, and to see how sort of unimportant ultimately the film was received and is being treated by the public it stings it stings it really hurts and it's kind of like the last thing i needed i've got i've got real life stuff to worry about the thing that i seek for entertainment the thing i seek to to ignite my imagination and put a smile on my face and to get away from it all which is movies which is dc which is superman and justice league Seeing it sort of, you know, fail as gloriously as this is failing is just, it's a real tough, bitter pill to swallow. So I'm sorry if I sound a little too uh, sort of pissed off and the angry New Yorker in me is coming out a little more than usual, but um, I'm just kind of like not really myself right now. And I'm kind of glad that I announced last week that I'm taking a tiny break. You know, I'll be skipping next week and coming back the following one. Uh, hopefully rejuvenated and, 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 and feeling great and filled with turkey after this Thanksgiving holiday coming up. Because yeah, th th that little break 
could not have come uh, any sooner. You know, your boy is tired. The way the way that I know the, how tired I am is the fact that I, I recorded today's opening sort of rant or whatever you want to call it like five or six different times and they were different each time. I'm like, I'm not, I don't usually do that. A lot of times I record these in one full, you know, stretch of time. It's almost like one long take because I'm usually so ready and sharp and, and I have all my stories lined up and I know what I want to say about each, but I'm just sort of scattered. I'm sort of scattered and exhausted today, but I'm going to Try to get through the remaining stories I want to share with you and bring you to my conversation with Jet because that was a total pleasure to do this morning. Uh, probably the the highlight of the last few days for me. Um, but yes, all right. So let's push on. Let's push on. Uh, over in Marvel Land, there have been some interesting developments. Uh, it looks like first of all, Ant Man and the Wasp wrapped quietly this week. I hardly even knew it was in production. It's funny. That, that's how sort of well-oiled the Marvel Studios machine is, isn't it? These movies just, you know, they get they get written, they get produced, they get done, they move on, and they move on to the next one. So Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, completed its principal photography this past week, and now there's already talk about what else is coming on down the pipeline in terms of Captain Marvel. There's a new rumor that suggests that uh, they're looking to cast key roles for the film for scenes that will be filming at the same time as Avengers 4 this coming January. Because right now, the main photography for Captain Marvel is not set to start until March. But it looks like they, they want to get something in in late January. And it looks like it's something that would work in tandem with Avengers 4. We know that Captain Marvel is supposed to come out in between Avengers 3 and 4, where she won't be seen in Avengers 3. She'll perhaps be alluded to. Then she'll have her solo movie, and then she will appear in Avengers 4. So there's, you know, there's a new rumor making the rounds that as, as soon as this coming January, there's going to be a period where both the productions for Captain Marvel and Avengers 4 sort of coincide for some sort of sequence that's going to kind of, I guess you know, be included in Captain Marvel that has to do with the characters in Avengers 4. So that's interesting. Something else I found interesting is that uh, the fellow who played Malekith, uh, Christopher Eccleston, or whatever, the, the however you pronounce his name, uh, he had some interesting remarks about his uh, his time playing Malekith, the, uh, the cursed, in uh, Thor The Dark World. He said, it's not my greatest moment. It has to be said. Uh, it sounds like he regrets it. He basically took it just for the payout. You know, he says that Marvel was just not honest with him about how much work was going to get into it. The, the quote reads, the first couple of days, it was about seven hours, eight hours. I think we got it down to six and a half. It's a day's work before anything. Marvel were dishonest to me. Because they never, ever let me know there'd be that amount of makeup. So, yeah, that was not my finest moment. Um, so it sounds like, yeah, he's pretty pissed that he had to spend that much time in the makeup chair every morning. And that it was practically a day's work just sitting there. So before he even showed up to the set to do what he was hired to do, he's already spent eight hours in a chair getting caked on with makeup. And it sounds like he was not that thrilled with it. And judging by the fact that audiences didn't care for him either... I think it was kind of just a lose-lose. I mean, for many people, Thor The Dark World is the low point for the MCU. 
So imagine being the guy who's the villain in the low point and no one even likes you or appreciated what you did. Yeah, he's, he sounds, uh, sounds kind of bitter. Um, then now there's also news on the Gambit front. You know, the Fox produ- production of Gambit starring Channing Tatum and directed by Gore Verbinski. Variety is reporting that Lizzie Kaplan has joined the cast. Now, Lizzie Kaplan, for those of you who don't know her, you really should. Uh, she was in Mean Girls. She was in the, the Interview. She was on Showtime's The Masters of Sex. I think she was also in Now You See Me Part Two. Uh, I, I've, I've been a huge fan of hers for years. By the way, and you know, I totally think she would be a pretty damn good Lois. By the way, if they did uh, decide to reboot Superman again, but I hope they don't. Um, but yeah, so she's joining that, and now everyone's wondering who is she going to play in this film that is supposedly, you know, it's going to be a heist movie. Simon Kinberg said he wanted to be like a like a sexy thriller, and you know. It's interesting because this week we also found out that it sounds like Rogue is going to be in the movie. So is it possible that Lizzie Kaplan is the new Rogue? Probably not, but it's interesting to think about. And there's also, you know, there were rumors way back when that Doug Lyman, back when he was directing Gambit, was going to be casting Leah Sidhu or Sido as uh, Belladonna Bordreau. I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the character of Belladonna. So, you know, with him gone, with Doug Lyman gone, it's likely that Gore Verbinski would choose a different actress to play Belladonna. So let the rumor mill continue to, to circle here that maybe Lizzie Kaplan is playing Belladonna. Who knows? Um, what we do know is that Han Solo directors Lord and Miller were axed two weeks before principal photography was over, and we haven't really heard from them since about that experience. So we finally got some fresh quotes from Lord and Miller about the unfortunate end to their time on Han Solo. Here's what Chris Lord said. No, Phil Lord, my apologies. He said, The experience of shooting the movie was wonderful. We had the most incredible cast and crew and collaborators. I think in terms of us leaving the project, I think everybody went in with really good intentions and our approach to making the movie was different than theirs. That was a really big gap to bridge and it proved to be too big. Sometimes people break up and it's really sad and it's really disappointing but it happens and we learned a lot from our collaborators and we're better filmmakers for it uh he also added that he and miller are really proud of the work they did on the film and you know they they still wish everyone involved with it the very best uh of note there is you know it's funny that he he tries to change the perception of that remember these guys were fired you know, Lucasfilm more or less made that clear. They didn't even try to make it seem like it was an amicable split. They let them know that they were fired. You know, they, they, that is the public record now. But when he talks about it, he says, when we left, you know, in terms of us leaving the project. Now, you didn't leave. You were fired. I'm not trying to, you know, be mean towards them. But, you know, it's funny how we always have to try to reshape the narrative, right? Um Also on the Star Wars front, Ryan Johnson finally put to rest the rumor 
that Lando Calrissian, the original, the OG Lando, played by Billy D. Williams, would show up in The Last Jedi. He let it be known that once and for all, no, there will not be any sighting of our boy Lando Calrissian in the next Star Wars. He said, no, when asked about it. And I don't want fans to get their hopes up. He's not in the film, and it was never really something that came up. I mean, I loved that character. It would have been fun to see him, but it's just not something that ever really had a place in the story. So, there you go, folks. Sorry to break it to you. There will not be a Lando scene in this movie. Um, by the way, I don't know, you guys see, like, the, there's some new pictures and whatnot of Benicio Del Toro as his character, uh, nicknamed DJ, in Star Wars The Last Jedi. He looks pretty cool. I don't know. I like the design for the character. I'm kind of, I can't wait to see what it is that he's doing in the film. And, like, it's funny that I guess they're trying to be somewhat mysterious about it, but I still remember last year when I spoke at the uh, Ola Awards, the Hispanic organization of Latin actors, and he was there, and he was the honoree. When they introduced him, they introduced him to the stage as the villain in the next Star Wars movie. So, you know, I'm still curious, is he going to be a full-on villain? Is he going to be just sort of an anti-hero type, kind of like Lando was at first? You know, I'm still fascinated to see where they're going with him in terms of his depiction in the movie and what his character is really all about. And I'm also purposely still avoiding all the new information on the movie. So who knows, maybe by now it's already been made clear what he is. I've been avoiding it. I want to go into Last Jedi as cold as possible so I could be blown away. Um, now we're going to move over to Denis Villeneuve. He's got uh, some new comments about his Dune movie. You know, he's going to be rebooting Dune. And uh, he made it very clear that this is not going to be a remake of the David Lynch movie. In fact, it will have no resemblance and no connection whatsoever to David Lynch's Dune movie from the 80s. And that this is going to actually be just a new reinterpretation, readaptation of the book. So here's what he said. David Lynch did an adaptation in the 80s that has some very strong qualities. I mean, David Lynch is one of the best filmmakers alive. I have massive respect for him. But when I saw his adaptation, I was impressed, but it was not what I had dreamt of. So I'm trying to make the adaptation of my dreams. It will not have any link with the David Lynch movie. I'm going back to the book and going to the images that came out when I read it. So for Dune fans, just know, if you were thinking that there would be some sort of connection to Lynch's 80s movie, there will not be, okay? There's also, he, he had some interesting insight also into Blade Runner 2049. Just basically saying that, you know, he knows that the reason it's looked at the way it was looked at was because of how much it cost and how long it was. But in reality, he sounds rather happy with how the film was received because he knows that Blade Runner fans loved it, critics loved it, and in other words, the actual audience he was making that movie for embraced it. So he's very satisfied with Blade Runner 2049. He just knows that in terms of, you know, finances and all that, it's, it's going to be seen as a bit of a misfire. But that's mainly because, you know, it's, it's two hours and 50 minutes long, so it was never going to run as many times per day. 
And that in general, the audience for this movie was not that grand to begin with. Blade Runner was always more of like a, a cult classic. And it sounds like Denis himself is uh, totally fine with that. You know who's not fine with how his movie was received? That's director Paul Feig. He's got some interesting comments about his failed Ghostbusters film that came out uh, about a year and a half ago now. You may recall that he had the all-female reboot of Ghostbusters, and it sort of fell on its face, and what it was once going to be the beginning of this big, sprawling franchise, and now it, you know that was essentially a non-starter. And it looks, as he looks back on it, he feels like the subplot, the the narrative of the film about this being some sort of story for female empowerment and feminism and all that sort of stuff, that it sort of overtook the movie, that it kind of became this message that became more important than the movie itself. So here's what he says about, you know, what it, uh, the fact that the film tried to become part of like a movement and how that hurt it. He says, I think it kind of hampered us a little bit because the movie became so much of a cause I think for some of our audience, they were like, what the fuck? We don't want to go to a cause. We just want to watch a fucking movie. It was a great regret in my life that the movie didn't do better because I really loved it. It's not a perfect movie. None of my movies are perfect. I liked what we were doing with it. It was only supposed to be there to entertain people. So Mr. Fag seems to feel like the fact that the chatter about the movie had more to do with how important it was as a piece of uh, a feminist, you know, as part of a feminist movement, he feels that ultimately that actually hurt the movie. Uh, you know, my personal assessment is just that it wasn't a very good movie. You know, if he was going for entertainment, that movie was barely passable as entertainment, okay? I saw that movie with my family, and I was one of its defenders, when, everyone, whenever, when all the trolls were coming out and hating on it and they were downvoting the YouTube trailers and there was all this sort of like misogynist rhetoric going around and people wanted to shit all over it just because it, 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 you know, they, they made it an all-female thing, I was a big ardent defender of the Ghostbusters reboot. But ultimately, the movie was just lame. It was just lame. I... You know, to go back to what I said about it a year ago, it felt like I was watching someone play a role-playing game, and at every possible opportunity where they could pivot the story in the right direction, where they're given, you know, here's answers one, two, or three that you can give to this question, they kept choosing the less, in the least interesting path, you know? So I just felt like every way in which this could have gone someplace that was exciting or entertaining or well done, they went the lame way with it. And on top of that, it was PG-13 and it felt like it was, it didn't know what it wanted to be. The first Ghostbusters had that appeal where kids loved it and grown-ups loved it. The humor worked on all levels. This, I, 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 it barely worked on my, on my then five-year-old daughter. So I think that was the real thing. I, I don't think it was the fact that the politics of it all, the gender politics of it all overtook the film. I think it was just sort of a crappy movie. Um, also this week, did you guys see the Deadpool 2 teaser came out last week? And, you know, I got I to gotta admit, I was in such like go mode that I didn't even see it until this morning. It's been out for several days. I did not see it until this morning. 
It looks damn good. It looks like they're going to go once again with a sort of unconventional promotional campaign for this. You saw with the whole nod to Bob Ross and you know Ryan Reynolds in the Deadpool outfit with the wig on and, and all. It just, you know, it looks great. It looks funny. It looks like once again, they're going to be going the non-traditional route in promoting this movie. And I, for one, am very excited about that. I hope you guys are too. Now... It is time, it is time, it is time for my spoiler conversation with Bill Jet Ramey. We talk DC, we talk Justice League, we talk the fallout of, of what's going to happen now with these DC movies now that Justice League has somewhat fallen onto its face. And, you know, in a continuing trend of what's been going on these last few days and me just having the worst luck uh, I couldn't record the conversation myself because my recorder isn't working now because Skype did an update and my recorder doesn't work with it yet. So Jet himself did me the favor. Bill Jet Ramey recorded it on his computer over in Texas and he sent me the file. So Jet, thank you so much for doing that. Um, there's just, you know, there's one issue though. You know, his recorder, the audio is a little bit different than on mine. So he's going to sound crystal clear and I'm going to sound like I called into my own show. So I just want to warn you that the audio is a little wonky on that end where I sound like I'm on a phone and he sounds clear and like, you know, it, it almost sounds like this is going to be his show. So here we go, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode that uh, I gave you today. Know that I'm going to come back in two weeks rested and rejuvenated and ready to get into the Star Wars hype. And uh, if there's one thing I'm thankful for this week, it's you guys. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to me every week. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for all the five-star reviews. Thanks for all the Patreon patrons. Thanks for everyone who came out last week to the Yell Fanboy Justice League watch party. You know, I love this stuff. And I love that you guys care at all about what I have to say about this. And I, it was crazy watching my scoop. The first scoop I've ever broken on my own on Friday got picked up and went everywhere. That scoop about Jake Gyllenhaal as Batman and how Matt Reeves plans on tackling that film got picked up by Screen Rant, comicbook.com, comic book movie, comic book resources. I saw it everywhere. And that, that was an unbelievable thrill. So uh, thank you all who've supported me. And I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, I will see you again, or you will hear from me again in two weeks. In the meantime, you can also find me on the Twitter at I underscore M underscore MFR. I'm happy to speak to you guys and answer any and all questions that I can. And uh, that's it for now. It's time for the spoiler discussion on Justice League. So when I woke up on Monday morning, reeling from this bruising weekend we had with following the, the, the way Justice League was received, I thought, I've got to get 
Bill from Batman on film on the show this week to either talk me off a ledge or just shove me over it and put me out of my misery. So I've arranged for the man himself to come on. So ladies and gentlemen, here is Bill Jet Ramey of Batman on film of the Batman on film podcast. Jet, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Look, I am not going to push you off the ledge. I'm going to try to bring you back on. That doesn't mean everything is good at all. Yeah. I'm just, I don't want to push you off a ledge, dude. So, you know. <laughs> Oh my God, like what happened? I don't even know where to begin with this thing. Like, I don't, like, I'm so conflicted because on the one hand, I've been a very, very vocal sort of critic of mm-hmm. of everything that's happened since 2013. You know, I always yeah. thought Snyder was the wrong fit for this universe. Like, he was not going to make this an accessible, joyous franchise for everyone to, you know, you know, uh, enjoy for years and years Mm -hmm. to come. I always knew he was going to make something that was sort of tough to swallow. But now, like now that I'm seeing it unraveling, I'm almost having like buyer's remorse Mm -hmm. because, you know, there were things in here that I thought were definitely salvageable. Like, I just can't believe it. Like, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, what, what part of this weekend surprised you the most? Oh, you know, I didn't think I've never thought, and we talked about this. Never thought it was going to do a billion dollars. I thought yeah. that was just out of reach, and there were a lot of you know a lot of fans. Oh, it's going to do a billion dollars. It's Justice League, blah blah blah. Yeah. And you wrote a uh, or it, no, it was a video. The that, video, that yeah. Video was awesome. It really was. It was. You really <laughs> you. broke it down in very um, very articulate points and in uh, um, research, well researched. I mean, you're Thank backing you. it up. It was not just. You know, yeah. it's not going to make a billion dollars because I said it's not. It, it yeah. was very, it was uh, you know well done. But anyway, right. I, I I thought it would, I would thought it would have gone over a hundred million domestic, um, this opening weekend. Yeah, I thought, just on I the thought, eight yeah, brand alone, right? Yeah, I thought it would, it would, this would be the weekend it would have to make its hay, and it, it would to a certain degree. So I was really shocked at the what did it end up? Nine, almost ninety four million. Yeah, it was like ninety three point eight. Yeah, and that ain't good, man. And it's oh, you know, definitely. and it and it's. I think it's very telling that I, I I didn't think there was any buzz for this film going into it. You know, I didn't yeah. think that the general audience cares about this iteration of DC owned film. You know, except for Wonder Woman. You know, you know, Suicide yeah. Squad made more money than the studio thought, but. It was still, you know, it was a, um, it was not received overwhelmingly positive by the general audience. Uh, yeah, and, and it's yeah. aging poorly, by the yes, way. I feel like does. I feel like yeah, I feel like if if you go and look at the reactions then and now, even yes. like the most ardent DC fans, the ones who would try to you know send us death yeah. threats, yes, yeah, even they'll agree the Suicide Squad is kind of like the low point. No one even really talks about it. You know, really, I, you know? I actually when I saw it the first time at, at the junket. It was in New York City, dude. It was. I thought it was okay, and I gave it a like a B minus or whatever. But yeah, it's it, you know, I'm one of those can watch a film and again and like it way more than I did the first time, or I yeah. can not, or I can watch a movie and like it a whole lot less than I did the first time. So yeah, you're yeah. right. It didn't age well. It's not. 
it's not something I want to put in and watch, you know, over and over. Yeah, again. I, I think we all were a little gentler on it because we had been, you know, we had dealt with Batman v Superman a couple months prior, so anything was a step up. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But then now, once you once you remove that as like the filter you're watching Suicide Squad with, it just doesn't really work as a sta- as a, as a movie. Yeah, but um, yep. yep. And I think there's there's a lot of that in this movie as well. I think both. I think the cast of both of those films is what kind of saves it. You know, I thought the cast, the cat, well, you know what? I can't complain about the casting at all. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and, and you've got to, uh, you know, credit Snyder for that. Um, he had his hand in a lot of the casting on these films. And oh, that's been yeah. great. It's just, man, they just didn't do this the right way. From the very beginning, I've said this, the moment they hijacked a sequel to Man of Steel and made it BVS and put Batman in it and tried to get to Justice League as soon as possible. That's yeah. that's that's where it all went to went to hell, right? Well, right you know, then. I mean, they, they they let the genie out of the bottle too yeah. with that movie because that movie, for all intents and purposes, was like a Justice League yes. movie already. Yeah. You know, so rather than building towards this momentous occasion, it was just like, oh, here it just kind of is all wrapped into this movie that looks a little dark and hard to get into and is sort of polarizing. Here, we're, we're going to give you Avengers, I mean, Justice League 1.5 before you've even seen, you know, Justice League yes. 1. Yes. So it was just, yeah. Yeah. And, and even it kills the novelty of the no- it, too. I was about to say, yeah, the, the novelty was gone, you know, uh, yeah, like a year they, and a half ago. Showed, yeah. Yeah, like they already showed that shot. They already showed the Trinity standing next to each other in the mm-hmm. trailers for this. Like, you know, there's none of that that awe of, oh, I can't wait to see these characters together for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, that was yeah. gone. Yeah, there's a there's a point, very strong argument and point to be made with that. It was it was no, yeah. the novelty was gone. That was the best way to 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 sum that up. I just, but you know, like every aspect of this throws me for a loop because, okay, so the box office underperformed is a shocker. But even for me, I, I, the cinema score is a shocker Mm -hmm. because audiences are notoriously far easier to please than critics. Yes. And this movie, you know, it's so filled with like, you know, jokes and almost feels like a Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. I'm like, audiences are going to eat this up. It's going to get an A or an A minus, you know, Mm -hmm. audience will love it. Critics will hate it, but even the cinema score is a B plus. And even though that sounds like cool on paper, like yeah. if I got a B plus on an essay at school back mm-hmm. in the day, I'd be very excited. But for cinema scores, anything in the B's is considered very sort of like so so. Suicide Squad, speaking of the devil, yes. also got a B plus. Yeah, it's so um, B plus. Yeah, yeah, it's what like yeah, it's okay, a little bit, maybe yeah, a little more than okay. That's that's what that means. Yeah, yeah. Like so that that shocked me too. Like it seems like everyone across the board, you, you, like the, the, there's usually like three main metrics, right? There's, you know, how it does at the box office. There's how the critics accept it, and there's how the fans accept it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of got a you know some degree of a cold shoulder from all three metrics. Yeah. It's yeah. a failure across the board, and I'm just in shock. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, um, I'm. I don't know if I'm in shock. I'm very surprised. I. I you know, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not a. I'm not psychic, or do yeah. I procl- uh, You know, <laughs> proclaim to be, but you, I, there's almost. I kind of saw this coming. I've been saying this, like, oh, I mentioned a while ago. I think the biggest uh, where it, where, it all, where it really went off the rails was when they took Man of Steel two, which there was going to be a Man of Steel two with yeah. a proper Superman film, and they made it BVS. 
because they yeah. panicked over the box office over Man of Steel, and they said, let's just get to Justice League now, and they just didn't do it right. And um, and you well, know what the problem is? Yeah. yeah but the, the problem is, too, they misdiagnosed the problem because they saw what happened with Man of Steel, which, mm-hmm. by the way, it did respectable in the, in the high 600s, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a far cry from what they were hoping for. They thought, okay, we're making a Superman movie with the guys who made the you know the Dark Knight movies, yes. and those movies, the last two of them made a billion each yeah. with just Batman in it. So they were hoping for something closer to that well, they, they thought they had something pushing a billion dollars. They, they yeah. did, yeah. Easy. Easy, but they misdiagnosed the problem. So they looked at it and and they thought Superman was the problem. They thought, oh, I guess audiences are just not feeling Mm -hmm. Superman. So you know what? Let's bring in Batman, who everybody loves. You know what I mean? That's what will help this. So they thought Superman, not the creative direction of the movie, not Zack Snyder's touches, not Mm -hmm. the way Superman was portrayed. They thought Superman himself is just you can't build a solo thing on him. Mm -hmm. So let's hijack his sequel. Yes. And then I I honestly think it wasn't until BVS went into test screenings Mm -hmm. in early 2016 with a three-hour version that they started realizing, oh, man, it wasn't Superman. Mm -hmm. It was – it's Snyder. It's the way he portrays these characters that Mm -hmm. people aren't digging on. Mm -hmm. And if you realize ever since then, everything's been totally different, Mm -hmm. you know, because they gave him free reign with Man of Steel. And it sounds like for a lot of BVS, they just kind of stayed out of his hair. And then as soon as it started testing poorly from that point on, you know, they they hijacked the editing bay. Then they went over to David Ayer and did what they did to Suicide Squad. And then, you know, it it seems like Wonder Woman didn't really need much of any tweaking aside from a couple of retcons in terms of, you know, they they kind of undid Wonder Woman being away for 100 years. And then they kind of redid it, by the way, in Justice League, which we can get to in a minute. Um, But then with Justice League, we know that like they totally like there were so many cooks in the kitchen that who even knows, you know, who's even fully to blame for what we got there. Mm Um, but it really goes back to that misdiagnosis of Man of Steel. They yeah. looked at what happened there and they thought Superman was the issue and not Snyder. Had they caught it back then, then they could have like, you know, it's kind of like when, when, when you got cancer, you want to catch it early. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't catch it early. By the time they realized what was going on with this DCEU, BVS was already like done in the can. They already had that three hour cut. And they're like, what the hell did we do here? Yeah. This is the basis of our shared universe. Yes. And it's broken. Yeah. And then and they knew because like I, I think I've mentioned it to you before and maybe on even on a podcast with you is is that when I went to that that junket for BBS, I had to sign a a non-disclosure agreement, and I couldn't bring a a guest with me. I always brought my wife with me for the Dolan films for those things, and it was very uh, controlled, and I said, something's up. And then I saw the movie, I went, yep, something is up. I I understand. They, They were trying to protect that film, uh, yeah. Going into the you know that opening weekend, and it made you know I got to give them credit. It yeah. probably worked because the opening weekend was one sixty six. Yeah, it was really good. And then it just and when I and I, I said this thing's going to fall off a cliff. It really is. Once once yeah. the public sees it, there it's not going to get wor- good word of mouth. It's not. Well, there was another. Those. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the box office had another little subplot there that people forget about now, which is even just the Friday to Sunday drop was epic that weekend, mm. which you don't usually see. Yeah. 
you know, but the yeah. Friday to Sunday drop in and of itself was a, was a story because yeah. pe- I mean, people came out with excitement on Thursday and Friday night and then quickly went and told their friends don't bother because yeah. by Sunday the drop was very dramatic. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, and then obviously by the time we got to the second weekend, then it was X-Men origins Wolverine level bad, almost 70% yeah. of a drop. But, um, but yeah, so like it's just it's amazing to try to you know to to think of it in these terms where Warner Brothers was totally satisfied with everything up until those test screenings. I, yeah. I remember reporting on it like they were very very confident about this movie and then were completely caught off guard by the responses to mm-hmm. it. So I'm like, who the hell saw that three-hour cut of BVS and was checking in on that production and thought, yeah, this is we're on the right track. This yeah. is awesome. This is going to work. You know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's dumbfounding. It's, it's almost dumbfounding. like, and you alluded to it a moment ago, it's like, you know, Batman's in this, so everything is fine. You know, yeah. you know, and it's just, no, that's not the case, you know, that it's not everything's fine just because Batman's in it. And, and then, look, and we're at this point now, and, you know, I think while we're doing this post-mortem, there's, you know, there's some positive probably will end up coming out of it. But for right now, it just, it sucks. You know, it sucks for, it, yeah. for, for DC fans. It sucks, you know, it sucks for me as a Batman fan first because um, Batman is in a movie that's, that this is like, 1997 all over again dude yeah it's it, batman it, and robin yeah i mean there's God. you know i i compared justice league to batman forever in in terms of not 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 aesthetically or not you know story-wise but yeah how they came to be you know uh, justice league was a reaction to um bvs and you know it's yeah. tonally 180 tonally and um so forth and you know they brightened it up they made it fun and more popcornish and that was yeah. that's how batman forever came to be which disclaimer i kind of like batman forever but uh, <laughs> um you know it was a reaction to batman returns and doing yeah. a 180 from that the difference is now um batman forever was a hit People, for, you know, forget that 1995, that movie oh, was, yeah. was a hit. Yeah, Justice even like, Batman and Robin made yeah, money. It, Batman and Robin made money. But, it, you know, it, the box office was significantly different, uh, lower, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it, it fell off a cliff pretty quickly. And that's what you're seeing now with Justice League. I mean, what's this thing going to do next weekend? Coco's coming I know, out? when I mean, Coco comes Lord, out, man. yeah. It's not, I mean, like I said yesterday, or even a, maybe it was Sunday, I'm like, we all lose. Mm-hmm. Every every DC fan loses yes. this weekend. You know, whether, you, whether you're a Snyder diehard, whether you're someone who didn't like Snyder, whether you're just a, a, a hardcore DC fan or a casual DC fan, everyone lost. And, and the shame is that I do see so much potential mm-hmm. in these characters, in these actors as these characters, that now I'm wondering what's going to happen. You know, are we going to get to see another Henry Cavill Superman? Are we going to get to see you know more Ezra Miller as mm-hmm. the Flash? Like I'm just because a lot about it works in terms of the characterizations now. Like post Justice League, a lot of these characters are now back on track. You know, this is the Superman that I want to see a movie built around. I love Wonder Woman, and I cannot wait for Wonder Woman 2. I really enjoy Aqua Bro, Aquaman. Yeah. You know, and I really, yeah. I, 
I'm a big fan of Ezra Miller's Flash. So it's like four out of the five, no, what is it? Four out of the six Justice League members I'm wild about right now, Mm -hmm. and I'm dying to see where they go with it. But now I'm wondering if they're just going to pull the plug and and go totally back to the drawing board. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. Yeah, they, I think, again, I think they knew this was coming. Probably not this bad, but, you know, they kind of, they kind of, um, they greased the skids and and, and kind of told us before, you know, um, look, we're going to move back toward uh, solo uh, director driven strong filmmaker movies and we're yeah. not going to we're not going to emphasize the shared universe. Yes, they they exist in the same universe cinematically, but you know, Superman's not going to show up in Atlantis and there's not going to be all these winks and nods and easter eggs uh for other films and they're not they're not going to they're not going to they're not going to use you know, film, like Aquaman. It's not there. It's an Aquaman movie. It's set in Atlantis. It's an Aquaman world and they're not setting up another you know, they're not setting up a Blue Beetle film. You know, that's pulled yeah, that out yeah. of my ass. But, you know, well, you know, well, you know well, my, what I yeah. mean. Yeah. I mean, they were working on a Booster Gold yeah. movie, apparently. Yeah. Like, they had all these things uh, supposedly on the horizon that are just gone. Yeah. By the way, I was on a, I, I, I recorded an appearance on someone else's podcast mm-hmm. the other day. Mm-hmm. And one of them brought up a point that I couldn't believe. This is on the Medium Popcorn podcast. Mm-hmm. One of them pointed out that, like, they've kind of written themselves into a corner now. In terms of trying to move these characters onto their own little islands, Mm -hmm. because geographically, Batman v Superman placed Gotham and Metropolis right beside each other. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be very hard now to make a Batman movie where, well, Superman's right across the river. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to create this weird like gap in logic where whenever Batman has some sort of real big threat, not like a black mask type little street level criminal, mm-hmm. but whenever they want to go bigger with Batman and have like a threat that now all of Gotham is in peril. Well, in this continuity, Superman is right across the water. He's yeah. right there. Why wouldn't he help? You know, like yeah. they, they, they've created uh, just a, a total sort of gap in logic here. And isn't, just- isn't there a little bit of that? You could say even if even if they were hundreds of miles apart, I mean, yeah. you know, Superman. Yeah, his look, jurisdiction is everywhere. Yeah, my you know, that's been my <laughs> thing always with Batman is like there's just Batman. I, yes, I understand the comics. I understand. I get it. I grew up reading them. I get the fact that. They that Batman exists in a world the, the you know the DC comic book universe where there are these you know uh, metahumans and and borderline gods and so forth Superman Wonder Woman and you know there's always that well wouldn't he be irre- you know ir- irrelevant if if yeah that's with, the with case. lanterns and Wonder yes, Woman yes. flashes running but around you, you know you ignore that in the comics but I yeah. thought you bring that to film and you. And you're giving these films to, I mean, let's be honest, they're not, they're not made for us because we're going to yeah. see them anyway. They're made for a general audience. Yeah. Would, yeah. Wouldn't the general audience say, well, you know, looking, looking Justice League, man, as soon as Superman got back, Batman yeah. was irrelevant. In yeah. fact, the rest of them were irrelevant, you know, to be yeah. honest. And you you get that? Yeah, they, they, so, yeah they, they were just there to run support for Superman yes. while he was yes. killing Steppenwolf. There I, at the I end. just I've never been one um, that thought that a DC shared universe was was a great idea. I, I get it. 
I get why they did it because mainly because they were reacting to uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and wanted to have their their own version of that, and they wanted and Justice League was going to be their version of the Avengers. But yeah, I, I go back to what Chris Nolan told them when they when they basically asked him, and he was like, "Make all the DC movies you want, make them great, make great DC movies." Yeah, but let them be their own thing because when you start mixing that together, you're going to have some issues. And I think we see that a little bit, you know, we see that play out in Justice League. I, you know, look, I, I had a hard time with Batman fighting parademons and aliens. That was just, you know, that was not, that's not my, that's not yeah. the Batman that I enjoy. I'm very much solo, street level, you know, quote unquote, realistic Batman stuff. So yeah. it, it, it doesn't go with my Batman sensibilities, but um, you know, maybe there's some rejection in that. I, I don't know. I don't, I would love to. You know, my wife is a pretty good barometer of that kind of stuff because she's, well, by default, she's aware of it because she lives with me. But, you know, she was, like, confused in Justice League, didn't get the mother box thing. And, yeah. you know, the whole, um, you know, Batman, why, why why is he fighting these bug people? You know, these, <laughs> you know, these with wings. And I, yeah. you know, I was like, okay, here's probably what a lot of people who weren't, um, you know, you know, don't don't. What's the word I'm looking for? Are up to speed. Don't know the lore of DC Comics. You know, it, there, yeah. there's some of that probably at play here. Obviously. All right. So while we're while we're talking about Batman, I got to ask you, as someone who loves him as much as you do, mm-hmm. how pissed are you at what they did to him in this movie? Mm. Because I felt like he, it was such night and day from Batman v Superman mm-hmm. to this, where like they totally humanized. They almost made him into a punchline with yeah. Wonder Woman shoving him into a thing. Yeah. With him, tell you, I mean, I love the line about you know uh, something's definitely bleeding now. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I laughed, but like they turned him. They they totally like humanized him, turned him into a bit of a schlub. He's never really like the iconic. Badass Batman who can take care of things by himself. Mm. He's just sort of an afterthought. So I got to ask you, like, how pissed are you about what they did to Batman here? Um, worst representation of him since Batman and Robin. Would it be fair to say that cinematically? I mean, there yeah. were some moments. I mean, the the, the yeah. that opening scene with the rooftop was really yeah. good, and then the Parademon kind of kind of took me out of it. But I mean, overall, it was good. Yeah, I mean, it, it breaks my heart that he becomes irrelevant, which he did. Yeah. He became irrelevant, and it was a punchline. Um, you you brought it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something's definitely bleeding. You know that part, and then soon, like I said, soon as Superman is back, Batman does nothing. He just yeah. does nothing. And Wonder Woman was the leader of the Justice League, not not Batman. He put it. To, he put the team together, but you know she was the leader. And, and I uh, thought that yeah. line was very awkward, too, where he's like trying to to basically be like, you know, what have you done in the last hundred years mm-hmm. to inspire anyone? And it's like, I don't know. She I mean, she saved earlier in the movie. We see her saving hundreds of people in yes. London, yes. you know, and last year she came and helped and stopped Doomsday in Metropolis and yeah. Gotham. Like in this continuity, she's been a great, you know, inspiration. What, what, what has he done? He's he yeah. was killing people and tried to murder Superman. And you know, just yeah. what months? What, what was? What's the? What's the? Uh, time I don't even frame? know. You know, yeah, I, it's I don't pretty even short. Know. You know, but 
Yeah. So, but that that line just held no sort of weight. Like it felt like an ooh moment, yeah. like as it's happening. But then when you think on it, I'm like, he really has no ground to stand on here. Yeah. You know yeah, what have you done, Bruce? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's 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 um look as big of a fan as I I was of of Ben Affleck as Batman, and I was look hey for lo- a long time I I. Even when Chris Nolan was still doing his thing, I was like, "Man, I'd like to see Ben Affleck take over directing this 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 thing." You know, at when Nolan. Wow, died. really? Yes, and wow. and I was excited for him directing the film, and then you know how that yeah. that all went to hell in a handbasket, and then <laughs> you know, I, I'm ready, I'm ready for him to be gone now, and I want something, I want something different, and I want something fresh. I want Matt Reeves to do whatever in the hell he wants to do. I want to go through the excitement again of. You know, okay, who, who's going to be the new Batman? Who, what, what, what's it going to look like? What's what's yeah. the Batmobile going to look like? What's the, you know, the bat suit going to look like? That I, I I miss that. I think they need that excitement again, and uh, you know, I'm sure that well, Matt Reeves can do whatever in the hell he wants to do, and if it if, yeah. if that's if it's a Batman movie that's a prequel to all this, it, so be it. If it's a Batman movie or movies that's that's not part of this shared universe. So be it, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I think I think, and I, I mean, it, the writing's on the wall. Affleck is done. So yeah, that that's that's beside the point. The By the way, d- yeah. what did you think of that line? I found it very interesting because I felt like they were trying to plant the seeds for like him retiring from playing, you know, from from being Batman and possibly passing the towel down. Uh, there was some sort of line in there where he's like all achy and yep. whatnot, and I think it's Alfred. It yeah, yeah, and I think like there's some line in there, like you can't do this forever, or I could be or whatever. Like they seem to imply that like the end is near for this version of Batman. Yeah, well, so I, yeah. I I was wondering if they were going like if if that's where they were heading, if that was Plan A, was to actually try to get him to hand the cowl down. And now who knows what the hell plan B or plan C is. Mm-hmm. But then, did you catch that line? Did you think I, maybe they were trying I, to push? I, I didn't. I don't know if they, I don't know if I took it that way, but I, you know, it's the whole, that's when he was, you know, I think Wonder Woman fixed his shoulder and yeah. you can't do this forever. And he's like, oh, I barely can do it now, you know? And, and yeah, you know, it's, and that's also part of the whole painting themselves into the, into a corner with making Batman, uh, in his mid forties. I mean, he's yeah. definitely at, at the end, you know, he's not at the beginning. So, um, you know, Reeves has said that Bruce Wayne is going to be his Batman. So I don't think it's going to be a Batman beyond or anything like that. Uh, it's just, Hey, look, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. It's going to be, you know, wonder woman. I think, man, she's going to, she's safe. That thing is safe. That, that, uh, with Gal Gadot and all that, that she's yeah. safe. They can do like period pieces with her where they're they're in a they're in a vacuum as their own thing. You saw that with Wonder Woman. It's set during World, uh, World War One. Yeah. And apparently, the sequel is a Cold War setting with eighties, seventies, eighties. So, I mean, you could put her in the sixties. You can put her in World War Two. Yeah, you can keep her yeah. totally separate from this continuity uh, yes, and, yeah. and be safe that way. Yeah, and same thing. You know, Aquaman's done. So, what I think you'll see is. Any reference to Justice League is gone. I don't believe there was. There might have been one or two. I heard just fleeting references, but you can bet your rear they're going to cut that out. And it and it's going to, and it's already its own thing anyway. That was 
Yeah, that's James Wan to get to get that to get him to do it was was giving him that kind of creative control. So, but for you know the other stuff, I think everything is I think everything is in limbo. I think Batman is going to survive. I think, of course, Aquaman has already been filmed, so we're going to get to yeah. that. Wonder Woman's going to be fine. Uh, Shazam, Captain Marvel. What it's always Captain Marvel to me. That's what I grew up. Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, Shazam is going to get made. I don't think that's going to have anything to do with the DC universe at yeah, all. Yeah, I know you've yeah. said that before, and you've gotten some flack for it, but you might be right, especially now. I mean, that thing, you know, yeah. I mean, it needs to. That movie needs to be. It needs to be its own thing. It needs to be PG. It needs to be fun. It needs to be goofy. I mean, look at the that you know Captain Marvel world. It's you know Shazam world. Yeah. You've got. One of his biggest villains is a is a freaking worm, Mister Mind, and then you have Doctor Savannah, who is your typical, you know, crazy mad scientist dude, and you know, yeah. you got a talking tiger and talking Tawny. Do all that. I mean, go go, uh, you know, pardon the pun, go batshit crazy. And do some <laughs> do some fun stuff with that, and don't worry about yeah. you know. Oh, we got to tie this into. You know, we got to mention Superman, and we got to mention so and so. So no, that, yeah, that that's, I could see yeah. them doing a thing if they want to just keep it sort of very subtle and loose. Yeah. The connection where, like, you see Billy Batson playing in his bedroom, and he has a Superman action figure yes. that looks kind of like how Henry Cavill. Yes, yeah. yeah. That way, we know. Okay, Superman exists here, but that's kind of it. You know what I mean? You yeah. just kind of like you drop that little crumb, but that's the that's it. Yeah. Um, and now let me yeah, ask you. Yeah, yeah, just real quick on that. I mean, that's the way you can yeah. tie it in. It, it doesn't even be where Superman actually exists, but yeah, he like Billy Batson is a huge DC Comics fan. You know, he's got Batman, <laughs> Superman, Wonder Woman action figures, and then you know he becomes a, he becomes a basically a Superman with through through magic. So I think yeah. if you can still tie it in that way, it would be kind of clever. Yeah. Uh, now let me ask you: Do you mm-hmm. think there's any chance? That maybe they push Flashpoint up and use that as a as their retconning sort of vehicle, because you know, we like for years now, like the theory has been yeah. not for years I should say, but ever since they announced Flashpoint, you know the theory has been oh that's how they're going to try to mm-hmm. reset the timelines. You know they're yeah. going to they're going to use that that storytelling technique of of the time travel to have him go back and he's going to do something that's going to have like a ripple effect mm-hmm. that's going to basically undo a lot of the stuff that everyone hated about the uh these last couple of movies and and that's how you could introduce a, a different batman that's how you could in- introduce all the you know, whatever it is you that needs fixing you use flashpoint to do it do you think there's a chance that like instead of it being in the far off future when they were going to do it i think possibly mm-hmm. in like 2020 if they were if it might come out do you think they might try to like fast track that to try to have it release the same year as Wonder Woman two, you know, in twenty nineteen, to try to like use that as the reset button. I'm sure they're discussing that. Um, I, you know, when they announced <laughs> that, I was with you. I, it was the that's the first thing I thought. Of. I said, oh, "That's how they're going to reboot this thing. They're going to do yeah. Flashpoint." Because that's what Fox did. You yeah. know, when, when Fox started realizing, man, our timelines with the X Men series are becoming totally contradictory, and and then we we keep changing our philosophy of what we're going to do. You know, Days of Future Past was sort of put in there so we can go back in time to 1972 and make it seem that everything that came after that is now different, and in a way, it retconned out of existence a lot of what already happened. So Fox tried to use that same idea then. 
And even if you want to like, you know, even like the Star Trek series, right? When they rebooted it with Abrams, you know, they, they, they did that thing where like, now we're just on an alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. We're not erasing the other movies, but we're saying now we're on a totally different path. Yeah. So Flashpoint, so, so there is a precedent there for studios trying to go that route rather than just like, okay, we're hitting the reboot button. Nothing you've seen before has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you use time travel, you use some sort of sci-fi mechanism to move us into a different co- continuity. I personally would like that, just the fan in me, because I was a fan of the the Flashpoint stuff in the comics. Yeah. I thought the Batman uh-huh. Flashpoint was, I love that, you know, the Thomas Wayne was Batman and it was nuts. And, but, um, there's some dark stuff in that. And that's, that's what I would, I would wonder if they would go that route with flashpoint where you have a Thomas Wayne, um, you know, yeah. Vigilante type Batman and a, and Martha is the Joker. Yeah. And wonder woman <laughs> is, is, is fighting the Atlanteans, you know, the Amazons and they're at war and they were kind of not nice people. I mean, it, it's, there's, how much of that you want to do? I I think it would be interesting. I, I who knows, man. I I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. And and um, I think that I think it's fifty fifty on Flashpoint I, I, at this point. I think it's fifty fifty. I think maybe even less on a lot of that stuff, except for the ones I mentioned earlier: Batman, Wonder Woman, yeah. Aquaman, Shazam, and so forth. And then you're also with that, you would be getting. It would be a it would be a pseudo Justice League two because you would have these characters in it. You would have to, yeah. And do they want to go there? You know, after all of this with this movie with Justice League. So I'm you know I I'm not paid the big bucks to make those decisions, even though sometimes <laughs> yeah. I think I should be because I would have done things different than what yeah. they've done. And look where they're at now, you know. Yeah, part of me wonders if the slate now, like if they should literally put just about everything else on hold and make it so that it's Aquaman next December mm-hmm. followed by obviously it looks like Captain Marvel's getting films. So we're going to have to do Shazam at some point in like early 2019, maybe give it that March slot that, that BVS had then put wonder woman two back in the summer where she did so well. Mm-hmm. I see they already moved her. What she's in supposedly now in November of yeah. 2019. Yeah. She was originally December. I would say the movie that follows up wonder woman two needs to be flashpoint. Yeah. That, that's what I would say. Well, I'm with you, you yeah. know, get yeah. us to that. And then from there, you know, use that to introduce the idea of a new Batman. Maybe that's where you have Jillian Hall or whoever ends up getting the cowl introduced by the end of that movie. And then from there, the follow-up to Flashpoint is Matt Reeves, the Batman. Yeah. Like, I feel like that has to be the next, that needs to be the progression moving forward. Yes. You know, if I'm calling the shots, yes. if I'm getting the big bucks. I, I don't disagree. I don't. Um. And you know, I the, the the shame of it all too is, you know, I'm I'm the big Superman guy. Yeah. And there's a su- there's a subplot taking place here that's very distressing to me. Cuz heading into this weekend, I was speaking with a source and they were so confident there at the studio that the movie was going to yeah, that was going to position Superman in a great way and mm-hmm. get people excited that they were probably going to be expediting a Man of Steel 2. Mhm. Heading into this weekend, it looks like, you know, they felt like, oh, once he's back and his image has been rehabilitated by this movie and people are excited about it, we've still got Henry Cavill on contract. We're going to, you know, we're going to pull the trigger on Man of Steel 2 and make that a, a frontline priority. 
now with everything that's going on and now with everything sort of up in the air as, as the future is sort of confusing to them now, I don't know if it's going to happen anymore. Yeah, it worries me. And I think, I think Cavill Superman was the biggest casualty in all of this. Yeah. You know, uh, it really was, in my opinion. And I would love to see a really good Superman film with Cavill. I, I don't know. I mean, is is he wore out of, you know, all of this drama and yeah. nonsense, too? I wonder. I mean, golly. Uh, I mean, he seems relieved that, that, that things got fixed for this. You know, yeah. he's been making all these quotes about, you know, what, just kind of what a pleasure it is to be playing him right now and, and, and how he, you know, he, he feels like a Superman movie should be something that you bring your kids to. And, you know, he, he seems in general like he would like to make yeah. a proper Superman movie with the tone that has been established in Justice League mm-hmm. for the character, mm-hmm. you know? But now I just, you know, with with, with the bruising, with, 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 with the black eye this movie has become, mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? Yeah. On top of that, you know, everyone talks about how, you know, in the last 24 hours, everyone's talking about, it. well, he still has another movie left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, I believe Affleck does, too, and that's not stopping him from leaving. No. And you so, know what I mean? Yeah, so does Val Kilmer and George Clooney, and that didn't, yeah. that, that didn't mean nothing, you know? Yeah, so those Brandon Ralph, you know? yeah, like yeah. The, the, those contract things have a way of working themselves out. They expire. Yeah. They get renegotiated. They'll do payouts. You know, like everyone shouldn't be running to the bank with the contract stuff. Because, yeah. yes, while he's technically here, just a reminder, so is Ben Affleck. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope I hope that he survives it and he gets a gets a damn good Superman movie and, and I do. That's I, you know, I agree. I, I, yeah, I'm with you on that hundred percent. By the way, did you notice because you and I actually haven't had a chance to speak about the movie itself. Yeah. And yeah. I can give you for a few more minutes, I'd yeah. like to do that. Yes. Did you notice like how much of Superman's screen time was seemingly from the reshoots? Oh, golly. Um a lot of it. Yeah, um, to me it was like the vast majority, eighty was. or ninety percent. Like because yeah. you know, you know because of the stupid upper lip. Yeah, you know. Uh, so every time you see the stupid upper lip, you know, oh, this is from this past summer. He filmed this in June. Yeah, you know. And I feel like more often than not in this movie, he had the stupid upper lip. Yeah, there was quite a bit. I know that. Uh, God, that was bad. I, I can't. Oh, that's bad. That's CGI. <laughs> the whole CGI was terrible. I. I I can't believe how bad that CGI was. Well, you know, in this I day and age, you, I think yeah. of you every time anyone brings up the CG. I think of the fact that you know your theory is Warner Brothers just wanted to cut their losses, dump this thing into theaters, mm-hmm. and get it over with and rip it off like a band aid. Yeah, because that's the only way you could you know they could justify you know releasing a movie that looks visually this crappy. Yes, they have to know that it didn't look good. Yeah, there's just like no there's way. no way. Yeah, there's no way anyone and uh, uh, any executive saw that and thought, oh, this is ready to go. Yeah, you know, no, no one said this is ready to go. They just realized, listen, to get this thing to look right, it's going to cost millions and millions more mm-hmm. and we're already going to be in the negative on this movie yes. so let's just get it out there's no point and you know, and critics are still going to hate it anyway because it's a mess yeah, so well, they were really just cutting their losses it goes back to the whole idea that they knew it was coming you know yeah they knew yeah. it was coming maybe not this bad but they knew it was coming 
Yeah, I don't exactly. I don't think they knew it was going to fall on its face quite yeah. this hard. But yeah, every time someone mentions the bad CG, I think of Batman on film. Yeah. I think about listen, they just they, they 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 stopped caring to a degree. They're like, we've got this thing as good as we can get it for now, short of doing a huge delay and spending a ton more. Mm-hmm. Let's just dump this thing into theaters and then give people thirteen months to forget about it and move on. <laughs> yeah. And then man's yeah. here. Yeah, because otherwise. It's also like, why the hell do you delay Aquaman that far? Yeah. Remember, Aquaman was supposed to be coming, like, I think July 26th of next year. Then it got moved to October. Then it got moved to December. December. And I feel like that's all part of them knowing that this was going to be a problem. They were like, we need to sort of space things out, give people some time to forget about Justice League. So when Aquaman comes out, it's almost like starting from scratch, like in terms of hyping him up. And, you know, I'm sure that's that's the the plan. It, it how why would it not be? I mean, yeah, that you got you're getting a, a over a year of yeah. separation between this and the next DC film. You know, and it's also fun to look at like the alternate timelines because you know Plan A was going to have Justice League now. Mm-hmm. Then remember the Flash was supposed to come out in a couple of months in February. Yeah. So it was going to be Justice League now, then The Flash, then I think that and then, yeah, then Aquaman in the summer, mm-hmm. and then possibly the Batman. Isn't it funny mm-hmm. to think now? But possibly the Batman, written and directed by Ben Affleck, coming out in like October or November of yep. next year. You know, and that's why they were trying to you know put the pedal to the metal and film it earlier this year. And yeah, the, and, and, and you had what? Justice League two, part two. Yeah. They were, yeah. You know, this was going to be a two-parter originally. So It's yeah. amazing yeah. to see how things have evolved and yeah. what's fallen off the slate yeah. and where we're at now, man. Yeah. This is, is going to be such a lesson here. You know, like for anyone who ever wants to try to run a film studio, look mm-hmm. at what happened at Warner Brothers in these last four years. It's a cautionary tale. Yes. Uh, I mean, they've gone from, you know, at the end of the Dark Knight trilogy, I mean yeah. – and, you know, the, the hallmark of that is The Dark Knight, of course. You go mm-hmm. from that, where these films are compared to, you know, the frickin' Godfather, and, you know, you win an Oscar uh, as uh, Heath Ledger, you know, won an yeah. Oscar for a role in one of these films. You go from that, and now, what, it's five years later at the, after The Dark Knight Rises, we go to, we're at, we've gone back 20 years to 1997, and it's just like, it's almost yeah. just like after Batman and Robin. It really yeah. is. And, and it, yeah, we're, and, we're in that yeah. same, yeah, like with, we're in the know, mushroom cloud. The, the fans are, I see fans blaming. They're, they're, look, you point your finger at Burbank, California, and the water tower. That's where you yeah. point your finger. You don't, and with all due respect to those folks, and, and, and you don't blame the, when, the, when it was released. You don't blame frickin' Zack Snyder, you don't blame yeah. Joss Whedon, you don't blame uh, goddamn Rotten Tomatoes, which that's, you know, you don't, okay? It's such Look, a misnomer, yeah, that's yeah, another I mean, misdiagnosis. I mean, for God's sakes, if if we're going to blame critics and and Rotten Tomatoes, then uh, Transformers would never have raked in the money that, that it makes, you know, that yeah. franchise. It, it's That's just ridiculous. So stop with all that. I mean, and demand better. Don't settle for just okay. I thought Justice League was just okay. I, you know, I enjoyed when I watched it. I knew it was, uh, you know, I knew that it was not The Dark Knight or anything anything close to that sort of film. But I also recognize the problems. I don't want just okay from DC on film. 
Yeah. I don't want, you know, you can't just settle. Well, I'm seeing, it's like a lot of these, these fans, and, and God bless them, but just because you're, you've been waiting for this your whole life and you're seeing these iconic characters in live action standing together on, 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 the, you know, in a, on the big screen, that's not make that film, doesn't make the film great. And you yeah. can just stand on that and say, this is fine to keep giving us this. No, hell no, you know? Now, let me ask you, because everyone, you know, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say everyone, but the people from that end of the fandom, mm-hmm. the people who loved BVS, the yeah. people who adored Man of Steel, the people who felt that Snyder was on the right track, mm-hmm. their big thing right now is yeah. we want to see Snyder's original cut. They should have, you know, they, they should have released that into yeah. theaters. We want it on Blu-ray, blah, 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 blah. You know, they're basically positing this hypothetical yeah. that his version of this would have been some sort of all-time classic and that the executives had you know ruined it mm-hmm. um do you, now in hindsight seeing that even this retooled version fell on its face mm-hmm. do you think they should have just let it go and just like fine let's just keep snyder's vision and let's release this movie the way he was going to do it do you think it would have helped at all oh, man there's two sides <laughs> of that too um for one thing you're 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 trusting folks who made the decision to go this way in the first place, you know, then they made a decision to, to not go this way after the movie had already been shot. If you, you know, we, yeah, well, it went from apparently and allegedly being unwatchable to, to this. Um, yeah, I, I don't, it makes me want to know what the Zack Snyder cut was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because look, a lot was changed. I'll, you know, and here's the oh, thing, yeah. here's the thing about, Here's the thing about doing a director's cut or extended cut with this. You, yeah. you, you are you are going number one, you'd be throwing Zack Snyder under the under the bus publicly because that cut is nothing like what we got in the theaters. Period. That's just yep. fact of the matter. And of course, what was the narrative, Mario? The narrative was uh, Oh, oh this, we, is, we, this is this is Snyder's did, movie it, and yes. we just just finished his yes, vision. Exactly. So you, you would be going against this narrative that you sold people. Um, yeah. And with these Snyder fans, you know, they, yeah, they're, they're, this is what they're saying now. Give us his cut. But they were also screaming when Batman on film and other places were reporting, no, these, these changes are significant. And oh, yeah. it was all that was bullshit. And they're just finishing Snyder. So you can't have it both ways, you know. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Maybe one day they'll release something like that. You know, you're yeah. down the line, but right now they're not because you would be, you would be admitting that you were selling a people a bag of rocks for the last <laughs> yeah. the last year. And, but now, but now, yeah. let me ask you, but like, but like, but the question really that I'm most in- intrigued yeah. by because I'm with you, you know, that, yeah. that we're not going to get it, and yeah. if we do it anytime yeah. soon, I'd yeah. be shocked because of what it does. But I mean, what I'm referring to is it's almost like. Listen, they did all this work on this yeah. movie. It yeah. was still received poorly, and it still bombed. So it's almost like, was that worth it? Yeah. Should they have just let Snyder's movie come probably, out? Probably. I mean, in, in hindsight, yeah, probably, unless it was it was so freaking bad that the, the outcome would have been worse than this. But you've got to be thinking, how, how could it be worse than this? But, yeah, I mean, I think if they probably knew that it was going to be Basically, ninety three point eight million domestic opening weekend. Shit yeah, they're like, well, yeah, we may as well just why not just go, just let it, just let it roll, you know. 
Yeah, because for me that would that was something that was hard for me to sort of like deal with while watching a movie, mm-hmm. where it's like even though I didn't agree with Snyder's take on all these characters yeah. and how he was portraying them, yeah. I still like it, it. It still threw me for a loop that this felt nothing like those movies. Yeah, you know, because I had just spent two days rewatching his other two, you know, Man yeah. of Steel and Batman v Superman. So I, it was very fresh in my head watching this. I'm like this like, from moment one. I'm like, this doesn't feel like the next chapter in no. that story at all. No. In look, in tone, and feel, it's just not that. So I'm wondering if, like, if if anyone else dealt with that, like, maybe if 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 it, if it was at least consistent, yes, would it have gone down better than it did? Maybe, maybe you know. Um... I guess I'm just at the point of it couldn't have been any worse. <laughs> you know, I, that's just a tough question. It, it could yeah. have been worse. I mean, I do have to say, though, with all that, with yeah. all that said, by the way, if anyone listening, if you hear weird sounds in the background, that is because my landlord is here doing some work on my air conditioner and that's tape. So just deal with that sound and bear with us. But um, yeah, so with, you know, with all that in mind, it is kind of funny to note that all the stuff that is getting praise yeah. is obviously from the reshoots. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. A, a lot of people are loving the the the, the lighter, more like the banter, the well, dialogue, yeah. how playful yeah, it is. Go, because and everyone's loving Superman, yeah. and that's all Whedon. That's all Whedon. It is. You know, that's why I brought that up all before. Up. Stupid upper lip. You know? Practically everything that worked about Superman was Whedon. The jokes, the the you know the quips and the fun, the fun. Yeah. Ass- that's all. That's all Whedon, man. And you know, yeah. So, so I wonder now, like, it, but even with that, so it's like, so, okay, if, if what we didn't put is what worked and it still got like a 39% yeah. of Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. what would it have been without Whedon's additions? You know, are we yes. looking at like a 13% movie here? It was like, a, yeah, it was dark and it was morose again. It was, it yeah. was that it was, I know. And, and, you know, I think, you know, the, the Snyder folks would have probably loved it. Um, I think you would have, but I don't think you would have, you wouldn't have had this, this, oh, this movie was fun and it was Superman was all, it wouldn't have had that. Yeah. So, it wouldn't yeah. have the, yeah, but like it yeah. was bad, but it had great stuff. Yeah. No, it just wouldn't have the great stuff. It would yeah. just be, this was a chore and I never want to see these people again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I kind of think that's where it goes. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think from this, it gives them the flexibility to go, okay, we're going to retcon certain things, but we're going to keep the things that worked. Yeah. I've, I have a feeling that had we just seen Snyder's, people would be like, I'm over it. Yeah. I don't want to see anyone again get these people away from yeah. me. You know? Yeah. Um, but look, I, I want to close out our time together today okay. on a more – on a slightly more just on a positive note. OK. So what about Justice League did work for you? Uh, you know what, yeah. what, what? What moments stuck? Because I because there were a few for sure that you know I didn't hate the movie. Like you said, no, I, I I, I'm it. with you. I thought it was just I thought it was okay. I had a generally positive experience. So like when you think back on it now, having seen it, yeah. What moments put a smile on your face? Um, I I liked everything with Superman except for the the bad CGI. I mean, so let's just throw yeah. that out. But yeah. but everything else is fine. Um. You know, it, surprisingly, it's not Batman stuff. Um, a few moments. I love the lasso thing with Aquaman, you know, oh, kind of burying yeah. his soul, and then he's <laughs> sitting on the golden lasso. I thought that was yep. really good. Uh, the por- the part where uh, the Flash is like it, you know, flashing out, 
and yeah. Superman turns and looks at yeah, him. Yeah, that, that was, was epic. you know, that was really that. good uh, moment. The Flash stuff, I thought Ezra Miller was was really good. Um, I like Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I, I you know, I, the the whole the surfer dude, aqua dude yeah. thing. I thought was going to yeah, <laughs> was going to wear on me, but it wasn't as bad as you know that that I imagined. In fact, it didn't even bother me. It was yeah. You know, I, I just wanted him. You know, to say outrageous. If you know, if you watch Batman Brave and the Bold, the Aquaman in that show would go outrageous. I wish he would yeah. have said that at least once. That would have made me made me happy as a fan of that. That show. might have made him a little too eloquent. Yeah. It doesn't seem like this Arthur Curry's yes. that eloquent. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was some. It's 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 a film with some really good moments and a lot of yeah, you know. And, yeah, and that and that gets it again to just okay, and I think DC characters deserve better than just okay. I mean, they can do it. Look at Wonder Woman. I mean, that's one of my favorite comic book films ever. Really, I thought it was just fantastic. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And then you know, not even oh that another moment. Speaking of Wonder Woman, the whole Wonder Woman bank heist deal that was awesome. Yeah, and that For you know sure. what that was Zack Snyder stuff there. That wasn't reshoot. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, moments, yeah. moments, just moments is all it was. It's not, you know, everything together. Yeah. It just didn't. That's kind of how I felt yeah. too. It was like, it was a, it was a just okay experience, yeah. but if you're a lifelong DC fan, there are some moments that even like as Kevin Smith put it, you know, that make your heart sore. Yeah. You know, there are a couple yeah. of moments where you're like, wow. I mean, listen, it makes no sense because Clark Kent was killed off in BVS. Yes. Uh, but that moment at the end where he has the glasses on and he takes them off and he does the shirt rip. Yes. Like I almost jumped out of my chair. I'm yes. like, yes, we got the shirt rip and it looked great. Now, mind you, I, again, I have to divorce myself of logic because remember in BVS they painted themselves into another yes, corner. That, they I mean, didn't just say he's missing. There's a you see the article with headline, you know, Clark uh, um, Daily Planet reporter they Clark him, Kent had dead. a funeral in Smallville yeah. and buried him. I mean, yeah. And I, there's look, no way to bring him back from the dead without just revealing to yes, the world that he's also Superman. It, it took me out <laughs> of that great iconic scene with the shirt rip because I thought yeah. he's Clark Kent. He's obviously in Metropolis. How the hell do they explain that? How do they yeah. explain that? That's that's what BVS did for me. Ruined that it damn near ruined that moment for me in Justice League. Yeah, it's and, and that's the thing. I feel like you know part of what they were doing, part of what Whedon's job was here, mm-hmm. was to create those kinds of distractions in terms of this doesn't make sense, but you're enjoying it for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. cause that moment again, it didn't make, it doesn't make sense. Clark Kent is fucking dead. All yeah. right. <laughs> but I still enjoyed it because <laughs> yeah. of the shirt rip and yes. whatever. Like, I feel like he, the same thing with like him letting Danny Elfman bring in the classic themes, which I don't think really worked, yeah. but in a certain way they helped just sort of like, it's connecting me to nostalgia and reminding yes. me of what it was like to love this character once. That's why so, they used it. And it was yeah. damn near. It was sort of like a cynical. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a pandering sort of cynical storytelling thing where it's like, listen, yeah. if we just fill their head with, with a, a reason to want to cheer, they're not going to notice why they should be booing, <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's just, I, it, it's, I feel like that, that if that was part of Whedon's job description, I think he did a very ad, 
admirable job doing it because yes. he totally, like, you know, he shined up some turds here. Yes, absolutely. He really did. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. So what do you, you know, let me just get like, before you go, yeah. what is your final review now that it's over and it's in the past when people ask you, what do you rate Justice League? What do you say? Letter grade. I gave it a, a C ish. So it's a, it's a floating C, you know, it depends on what part of the movie, uh, it may get near a C plus it goes also goes down as, you know, to a C minus, but it's a C ish movie. Um, it's not something that I want to watch and have in my rotation to watch over and over again. Like any of the dark Knight films, Superman, the movie from, you know, with Christopher Reeve, uh, Batman, 89, wonder woman is in that mix. The Lego movie, Lego Batman movies in that mix. There's some, you know, um, you know, man, there's some, you know, ironically I can watch Watchmen. I, I like watch the movie Watchmen, even in the Zack Snyder movie. That's just, you know, that's me, but yeah, it's a C ish movie. It's just okay. And bottom line, um, you know, I said in my review, you know, they've been just uh, Warner Brothers has had a had a hard on for this movie for years, for over a decade. <laughs> oh, yeah. They wanted to get there. And sometimes, you know, you get be careful. You get what you wish for. And that's what I think this is a case of that. They're getting what they 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 wanted. They get they're getting what they wish for. And a lot of fans, frankly, are in that in that in that boat, too. So just OK yeah. isn't good enough for me. It sure ain't. Well, Jet, you being on the show again was more than just okay. It was excellent. So thank you for coming on again, brother. Oh, anytime. Anytime. All right. Well, I'm probably going to have to get you on again soon because there's going to be more more of a postmortem here in the weeks (laughs) to come as we see if this thing completely falls off a cliff or if somehow it magically gets some legs or maybe Warner Brothers and DC make some announcements about what the future looks like. Mm So I'm I'm definitely going to have you on again soon. But either way, thanks for coming. Absolutely. And that was that. So I hope you guys enjoyed my spoiler discussion there with Bill Jett Ramey of Batman on Film. Uh, This week's recommendation, by the way, is The Truman Show, starring Jim Carrey. Um, Yeah, that's... I love the hell out of that movie. And a couple of days ago, I had a chance to watch Andy and Me. That's the new documentary about Jim Carrey and his time making Man on the Moon, the uh, Andy Kaufman story. And in watching that, it made it, it brought Truman Show back into my thoughts. And it's funny, I'll never forget seeing that movie with my father, my uncle, and my abuelo. Uh, that's grandfather, for those of y'all who uh, don't speak Hispanic. And I remember my grandfather, who's kind of like the film buff that got me started in all this, by the way. They got me thinking about films in such analytical terms. Uh, I remember when the trailer, when the credits finally rolled there at the end and we're putting our jackets on, he turned to me and my father and my uncle and he said, you know, I think many years from now, we're going to look back at this as a classic he really felt like it's one of those films that's going to you know withstand the test of time. The way we speak nowadays about movies like 
you know, It's a Wonderful Life or Casablanca or Gone with the Wind or, you know, any number of classics from the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, The Godfather, if we go to the 70s, you know, there are those movies that withstand the test of time. And he really felt like The Truman Show was such a, uh, a genius concept and such an interesting sort of brilliant time capsule for what it had to say about society and pop culture and where we were heading as a people. And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, that's a little, yeah, that's a little much, Grandpa. But, you know, whenever, whenever it's on TV, I watch it, and I'm like, wow, this thing was way ahead of the game. And watching Andy and me and, and listening to Jim talk about making that movie as well, because it isn't just about Man on the Moon. He kind of talks about his life and his career in general up to that point. Uh, yeah, Truman Show is, is the real deal. It's art, and it's fascinating, and it's a great, great movie. So that is this week's recommendation. And I guess, you know, if that's a recommendation A, I can add a B to that, which is Andy and Me, if you haven't yet seen it. Okay? So thanks. I hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You will hear from me again in two weeks. And until then, adios. Adios.